take a walk down the street where murder meets mystery, a podcast exploring the murderous, the mysterious, and everything that lies beyond the beyond. I'm Grace. And I'm Marissa. And welcome back to episode two. Welcome back. We're excited to be here. (laughs) And thank you to everyone who's listened to our first episode. I think it's now 11 people. Yes, I think so. I think uh, we hit double digits, which is huge because I'm pretty sure I just told my mom and Eric about it, my boyfriend. So I only have three people on my side listening. So there's like another seven out there at least. I told my mom to listen and I think that she said something about this stuff giving her the heebie-jeebies. I think was <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> which I'm like, I mean, I live for the heebie-jeebies. That's where my happy place is. So literally, but I, I also I read my notes to her last night, so that's probably oh, yeah. why. For Ooh. this one, for this, yes, one, not I know the that's one making before. me excited to hear. Um, anything new in your life, Grace, that you want to talk about? Um. I almost, um, yeah, I was going to tell you this story off the podcast, but I guess I'll tell you now. Okay. I was um, <laughs> I was in a lesson last night. Um, listeners, I am a, I'm a private tutor and I teach English. And one of my students were reading the, um, the Fudge series by Judy Bloom. I don't yes. know if you read that as a kid. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the chapters <laughs> was called Santa Who? And <laughs> okay. I see the title of the chapter. And I'm like, okay, I feel like this is going to talk about Santa Claus. And like, right. I don't want to blow, you know, the whistle on Santa Claus. <laughs> um, and my students are like seven. So I literally had to, sk- I paused my screen sharing and mm-hmm. I just like read ahead a few pages and I was like, yeah, so we're going to skip this chapter. This and of chapter, course they yeah. can't, they can't be cool about it. Like they're like, what's Early in release. the chapter? Like, does someone die? And I'm like, no, I just told them it wasn't appropriate. It wasn't an appropriate yeah. chapter. So now I'm okay, going to get sure. a call from a parent. I know I am saying, why did what you, inappropriate <laughs> what things are you, are you teaching? With them? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm oh like, I promise gosh. it's appropriate. I just didn't want to be that teacher that right. ruins it. The wonders so, of teaching. I don't know. You know? Yeah. yeah. For me, it was my friend that happened to be Jewish. And she was yeah. like, yeah, Santa's not real. She <gasps> called bullshit on it. Immediately, she told me. No way. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. She's bitter. Aww. And so I came home and my mom was like, oh, my God. How old were you <laughs> when it happened? Oh, God. Eight? Oh, like wow. Eight that's nine, early. I, I think, think I was like – fifth grade when I found out and it was just because I found all of the toys that were then marked from Santa in the attic oh like my God. six days before Christmas. We used to go on treasure hunts yeah. for that shit. Like, I mean, behind bookcases, in the attic, underneath things, like we would literally yeah. go on like a hunt for it. It was bad. Oh my God. Um, I know. Kids are determined but... to ruin the secret. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Should Anything new it? with you? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Enough about me. Um, Not really. I'm just like super excited for the weekend. I'm just ready. So for those of you who don't know, we are recording in advance and it's Friday and today we released our first episode. So that's why we were talking about the numbers before. Um, So I'm just excited excited for the weekend, girl. Stop working and just start living, you know? (laughs) Oh my God, me too. Anywho. Let's get into it. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm excited to hear your case. What's Grace's case? Grace's case. I, so, okay. So I was going to do a different case up until the day before yesterday. And I had like half of my notes done for this other case. But I, then I was watching Dateline right before bed as a psychopath does. And I was just listening to this case and then suddenly I'm wide awake and I did all of my notes oh, in no. like two hours and I was up until almost two because I was just so fascinated. It's really oh, wow. interesting. Okay, so I'm talking about the murder of Melvin Roberts and okay. the Dateline episode is called um, Death in the Driveway. Oh gosh, um, okay. That's and like this the biggest is, fear. Yeah, yeah. No, this one will hit close to home and I, I think you'll be – Terrified, which is my job is to terrify you. So, and likewise, give me the creeps. Your job to terrify me. Yes. So, um, I stumbled across this episode, and it's about the highly suspicious death of Melvin Roberts. Okay. Okay. At seventy-nine years old, Melvin Roberts. No, not an old man. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, an old man. Aww. Oh, yeah. He wasn't okay. very nice, though. I mean, no nope. disrespect, but yeah. like stuff comes out about how he wasn't really a super nice person. Okay. Granted, I'm totally going to edit that out because it sounds terrible, but I'm he was very loved and respected by his family, so I'll talk about all of that. Yeah, he yeah. was old. At 79 years old, Melvin Roberts lived an apparently idyllic life. He was a prominent defense lawyer in York, South Carolina. York is described as a small, charming southern town steeped in American history and racism. York is the seat of York County. (laughs) You ain't wrong. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what that means, right? It was home to nearly 8,500 people as of July 2019. Now, if you're anything like me and that number means jack shit to you, then for comparison. No significance. um, (laughs) Yep. Right. Chicago has nearly 2.7 million people, and our hometown of is about 40. No, Grace, people. you cannot say hometown. <laughs> I'm terrified people are going to come to our doorstep and kill us. <laughs> and Marissa's address is blah, blah, blah. No. <laughs> we'll bleep it out. We'll bleep it out. I don't know about you, but if I look at a crowd of people and someone says how many people, I'm like totally pulling it out of my ass, right? 20. I just am like doing yeah. in groups of 20, probably like just one. Right. 120. If it's there's for me, there's no difference between 100 and 1,000 people. Like if I'm looking at the crowd, I'm like, yeah, this looks about, you know, literally. People. And I will say, I'm going to bring it up again because I'm yeah. not humble. No, tell I me. I was in math honor society <laughs> growing you. up. Like I was good at math. Move out. By yeah. good at like perception and numbers i'm not so if you asked me how far away something was i couldn't tell you the the amount of feet i couldn't tell you the amount of people you know i think that's more geometry and that's where i lacked i was really good at like pre-calc and calc and like equals mc squared either way i have a t-shirt that says i was in math honor society so anything you tell me here on out right we can't tell you nothing that's right this is true people marissa one time we were i don't know we were at brunch or something and i was like I was like, how far away is our waiter? Because the waiter wasn't listening to me. And I was like, how far away is he, do you think? And she was like, like 50 feet. And this man was literally next to our table. And I was like, Marissa, 50 feet? What? Well, if you think about how many feet fit in between us, that's what I assumed. (laughs) Oh, Lord. That's how I measure that out. Yeah. But 8,500 is the number? Yes, 8,500 as of 2019. And in 2010, okay, which small. is the year of our uh, Lord, no, the year of yeah. our incident, it was 7,765. So pretty small town. Melvin Roberts was a name everybody knew in the town of York. He was hot shit. Okay. Why? He was a prominent defense lawyer of nearly 55 years. He was re- well respected okay. in his domain. He had even formerly been mayor of the town. He okay. owned a shit ton of land and property and his street that he lived on was freaking named after him. Roberts, what? yeah, Roberts Avenue. Was he like the only one that lived there? It was like a private street. He could just like kind of own yeah, it. Yeah, and and for anyone who lives in the South, that's kind of a common thing. Like if you own a bunch of farmland, yeah. or it, it's very common for multi like generational neighborhoods almost where the this family will yeah. buy like an entire like span of land and just settle yeah. there, right? Um, so I think that's kind of what the situation was, except he was he was the only one living on this particular – it was like a private road. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So he's a local celebrity, right? So everyone knows his name and everyone recognizes him. Okay. Now, what could make this life more perfect than having people to share it with, right? And Melvin Cute. had that. He had two sons with whom he shared an unusually strong bond. I that was a weird quote from from Dateline that I was like at first I was like ew that yeah. sounds strange right very. but no they they just mean they're very close and it now like it'll make more sense but it is a little unusual because both his sons were in their 50s or 60s and you know he's almost 80 and they were having lunch together every day. Oh, that's nice. I get that though, because you is kind so of grow cute. distant when you when you leave the house. You know, you don't right. call your parents every day. You don't see them every day. Right. But to be able to see them every day is really cool. Yeah, and I I think that I I hope to be that close with my parents. Maybe not that where I'm seeing them every day. Maybe yeah. I do want that. I don't know. <laughs> but ask me in ten years. According, I yeah, uh, love you, mom. Um, according to <laughs> Ronnie, his son. Um, and his sons are named Ronnie and David. I don't know if I mentioned that. David and Ronnie Roberts. Okay. Um, according to Ronnie, not a day went by that he didn't kiss his dad goodbye and say, I love you. Aww. They're very, very close. 
On top of that, Melvin had one grandchild, Emily Roberts, who describes her relationship with her famous grandfather as amazing. The two loved to travel and explore together, and after her graduation from college, the pair went on a scuba diving trip to Bonaire. Um, oh, wow. Side note, if you didn't know where this place was, neither did I. Yeah, no, um, I've never Bonaire heard of that. <laughs> is an island municipality of the Netherlands, and it's located off the coast of Venezuela in the Caribbean Sea. Okay. It is described as an ideal destination for scuba diving, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> Neato. Okay. If I have to ever okay. get my scuba yeah. certification, I'll put that on the list. Oh, totally. Scuba diving freaks me out. I mean, you know, I, I can't yeah. do the ocean. Yeah, I don't no. care for it. Yeah. I love looking at it, but from a distance. Yeah. Um, okay. So perhaps the closest to Melvin, however, was his girlfriend, Julia Phillips, who was in her 60s. Her age is kind of unclear. Um, because a lot of people think she was not totally honest about her age, which I'm learning is kind of typical. (laughs) It's kind of typical for older women who are dating again, right? And she was recently widowed. She was recently widowed and Melvin was recently divorced. So I think she may have embellished her resume a little bit, you know? As we all do. Um, yeah. So the two struck up a relationship that soon became a whirlwind romance. Emily, Melvin's granddaughter, reports that the two adored each other. Melvin and Julia lived together on the outskirts of York, where the large home that they shared, Melvin owned it, but they shared it, was set far back from the road by a long winding driveway. Okay. Julia is described as bubbly and a charming Southern belle, a good Christian woman, and the perfect match for Melvin. My name is Julia, and I'm a sweet Southern belle. Literally. That's what I envision. Yeah. But maybe a little bit older in her voice. She said she was 60. No. She's just sweet as honey. That, you know? that, that. Yeah, yes. that's right. That was more of like a Georgia, Louisiana kind yeah, of deal. but still. You know? <laughs> right? So, so <laughs> according to reports from family, Julia and Melvin were very clearly in love and spent all their free time together, which, you know, as we know as true crime aficionados, right. whenever someone is clearly in love, that means that one of them is going to die sometime soon. Absolutely. Um. <laughs> Melvin loved Julia so much, in fact, that he knew it was her dream to own her own business. There we go. Cute. He made that dream come true for her when he bought her a small storefront in a town 20 miles west, Julia's hometown of Gaffney, which, fun fact, is Frank Underwood's hometown in the famous Netflix show House of Cards. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever... <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's fun. That's... <laughs> That sound answered my entire question. <laughs> you were like, okay. Alrighty. I just don't remember that stuff from shows. So honestly, I'm quite impressed. Yeah. Um, so Julia named the store Julia's and with Melvin's financial support, began selling clothing and cosmetics at the store. Okay, boutique. She, like Melvin, was known by everybody in town and Kim and Kanye who, honestly. Yeah. Melvin and Julia were the couple in York. Okay, so the event couple. that took place... Later in 2010, early in 2010, excuse me, the event that left Melvin shot and strangled and Julia bound with duct tape would send shockwaves through this close-knit community. Oh, gosh. Um, blanket trigger warning, by the way. Yeah. Um, I do contain a graphic, rather graphic description of crime scenes and depictions of violence against other human beings. So if that is triggering to some, yeah. please – Listener discretion is advised. Thank yeah. You. Okay. Perfect. Let's see. It started on February 4th at the end of the couple's driveway what in year? the evening around dinner. 2010. Okay. Perfect. Even in South Carolina, it was cold that time of year, and this particular evening, it was raining. It was Julia's birthday, and the couple had a romantic evening planned at home. I wonder how old she was they, turning. Right. Uh, 60-something, <laughs> question mark? I don't know. <laughs> Probably 70. I don't know. Um. Which they were ahead of the trend on that one, by the way, planning an evening at home because, yeah, you know, that's Jeez, now that's, that's all, all we, do. we do now. Yeah. Um, so Julia had just arrived home from running errands and she had gone to pick up some Mike's Hard Lemonade, which, OK. Oh, congratulations on your freshman year. You know what? But, I will um, say shout out to my mom. <laughs> uh, she said those were like all the rage back in the day, like when they took us to the pool yeah. as kids. Um, yes. They would just be cracking open like a Mike's Hard. She thought she was having like yes. normal lemonade and her friend like, yes. gave it to her and she was like. Oh my gosh, I'm tipsy. And oh my god, like, that's so yeah, funny. It's Mike's I get- hard. <laughs> like I don't know if it was when it first came out or what. <laughs> Your mom. Um, I yeah. mean, I don't think it was around 2010 because I was like in kindergarten in 01. So I'm like, it was around yeah. when I was a baby, baby. Um, yeah. But who knows? I mean, those things 
will always be in style. Because they're sweet. Yeah. And apparently Julia wanted some of that. So now. she was getting ready. Um, some items for dinner and even some lingerie from Victoria's Ooh. Secret. Yeah. She was parked. <laughs> she was parked at the end of the driveway and unloading items from her car when a man grabbed her from behind and clapped a hand over her mouth. Oh gosh. He said nothing except a single word repeated over and over. Money, money, money. Same. He then <laughs> Money, 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 money. That's what BB literally said when I was reading this to her. She yeah. said, she said she d- he did his best, Mr. Krabs impression. <laughs> he literally, yes. Or what's that? Um, oh my god. Oh no, I was thinking of the song. Money makes the world go round. That song. Um, what's the one that was like? It's all about the money, money, money. Oh, Price yeah. tag by Jesse J. Um, Remember that song? Money, 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 money. Money. <laughs> I mean, how many songs could we list in the next oh my hour God. with money in it? Isn't there – there is a song that's like money, money. It's a rap song. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it, they repeat it like 80 times. I think so. Um, yeah, so that's that was this man. He then dragged her over 60 feet. He drags her Sheesh. across the mud and pavement until finally pushing her down into the mud, forcing her face in the dirt and telling her that if she said anything, he would kill her. Julia lay like this in the mud for what felt like an eternity, crying as she heard a sound that filled her with relief at first and then dread. Oh, gosh. It was Melvin's blue and white Suburban pulling into the driveway. So she heard her boyfriend come home and she realized like, oh, my God, he's going to save me. And then she was like, fuck. He's too old to save me. Yeah. Right. Later that evening when police arrived at the scene, they were responding to a robbery as Julia had reported on the 911 call placed at 730. When Detective Billy Muma, which that name made me Muma, Muma, <laughs> Detective Muma, what's up? Billy Muma arrived at the scene. He was met with a chilling sight. It was a woman he recognized, Julia Phillips, sitting in her car, hands and feet bound with duct tape. She was sobbing as she described a terrifying ordeal. As police began to survey the scene further, they discovered soon that Julia was not the only victim of this attack. Melvin Roberts, unresponsive, motionless, and covered in blood, lay on the ground just a few feet from his SUV. He had been shot, bullet apparently grazing his left ear. He had been beaten, and he had been strangled with a zip tie. So violent. Yeah. Right? This This was a very brutal... Um, murder and clearly you know there the motive comes into question whenever something that brutal happens right because it's gotta be more than just money 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 like a yes exactly exactly um this was when police had to inform julia that her boyfriend of nearly a decade had been the victim of an apparent homicide melvin's sons described this as the darkest day of their lives and said that when they received the call they didn't believe it It was not until David approached the house where he had grown up and saw nothing but blue lights and the van with coroner written on the back that he knew his father was never coming back. That has to be like the – Imagine. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. Heart attack. God. and Or like whenever they do that in shows where – Grey's Anatomy loves this shit. Um, Whenever they're like – someone's like sitting at an intersection and they see all the sirens going towards their house, you know? Yeah. I hate that. Ugh. According to David, Melvin was, quote, everything to him, his best friend and his mentor, end quote. After this shocking act of violence, especially toward a couple as well-known and influential as Julia and Melvin, everybody in town was devastated. Melvin's granddaughter describes the night she lost her grandfather in heartbreaking detail, recounting the fear she felt that someone in her family might be next, which that's a, a point that I hadn't considered until they she said that in the interview because I was like, fuck, like she's probably – worried that someone he's a prominent enough figure that people are you know um so we know that typically in a murder police arrive at the scene collect evidence and then there's a while where nothing is coming out of the case because if it's not open and shut then they have to wait for leads and suspects and potential witnesses to come forward etc right and they can't always come out with stuff because then if it's stuff only the killer would know then they don't want to like give it away right yeah right exactly um, so in this case, they had a witness. So from the beginning, the, ex- the investigation was, you know, kind of set ahead, I yeah. guess, because they had a witness who didn't see everything, but was there the whole time. Right. 
Um, from the very beginning, Julia was cooperative with law enforcement. She agreed to go straight to the police station and was there until nearly three in the morning being questioned by police. Holy crap. The footage of her interview is chilling because she's sobbing, covered in dirt, and still has duct tape around her head while police are, are asking her Are you shitting questions. me? They couldn't have cleaned her up I know. a little bit or gotten her a towel or taken the duct tape out? My thought is because they have to collect evidence and stuff like that. I like they, She basically... In a in an attack where they don't believe that the perpetrator wore gloves, like she has to be fingerprinted, you know. I guess she is the evidence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So though Julia had obviously been through a significant trauma, she was willing to help for Melvin's sake. Now they they were dating for almost a decade. Yeah, that's a long time. uh, She you know she was willing to do anything. She was ready to get to work with police to catch Melvin's killer. The police asked her pretty routine questions in the interview. Describe what happened. What did you hear? Describe your attacker's voice, appearance, etc. Julia could remember very little since the man had attacked her from behind. But when asked about his voice, she had answers. She described the man's accent as foreign, mm-hmm. maybe Indian. But she said she was certain his English was not as good as hers. Okay. It was with this information that police based the start of their investigation. Who was this man speaking with accented English who had attacked this prominent couple, leaving one of them dead? Now, apparently, at the beginning of this manhunt, the detective, Billy Muma, recalled a domestic dispute that he had responded to nearly a year earlier. It involved a couple who had called their landlord to report multiple cracks that had surfaced in their floor. It's not clear whether this incident started out as a fight or if it later became that way. But according to witness reports, upon seeing the female tenant, who was quite obese, according yeah. to the report, the landlord told her that if she wasn't such a fat ass, maybe <gasps> the floors wouldn't crack. I'm sorry. How does this relate? I know. You'll see. <laughs> okay. This obviously angered both the husband and the wife, and eventually the police were called to respond. This is not the first time a complaint had been filed against this particular landlord, and he had a widespread reputation for telling you exactly what he thought. Oh. The landlord's name? Melvin Roberts, bitch. Melvin. The victim. Wow. Melvin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What an asshole. Literally. And, and this was not the only time that happened, and he was, like, notoriously really strict with families who were suffering financially, like in terms of getting them evicted and like collecting rent really, I guess, ruthlessly. I mean, to a certain extent, you have to be authoritative in that in that role. Like I would be a terrible landlord because I'd be like, yeah, take your time. And then I'd be broke, you know, like I (laughs) literally but I, I think that he was he was known for being tough. Now, the reason this particular case came to mind for Detective Muma was that the husband of the female tenant and the man who originally reported the incident to law enforcement spoke with a heavy Indian accent. Oh. This lines up with the story Julia told officers depicting a man speaking with an accent. Yep. However, as crazy of a coincidence as this is, the Indian man was almost immediately ruled out because the time clock at his place of employment verified that he was not, in fact, anywhere near the crime scene at the time of the attack. Well, dang. Police were met with another dead end. That is, until the initial swabs taken of Julia's hands come back negative for gunshot residue, also known as GSR. This would typically mean that she had not fired a weapon within the past few days. Her hands were negative for GSR. Her sleeves, however, came back positive. Huh? How does that work? So when you fire a weapon, gunshot residue covers your hands, and it's invisible to the naked eye typically. Right. Um, But you can test it with forensic testing. So are you Um, insinuating that she held the gun with her sleeves instead of her hands? That's what the... (laughs) The evidence would imply. (laughs) I literally, I literally did not even think of that possibility until just now. And honestly, it's not crazy. Like I open the door with my sleeve all the time, right? She was ahead of her time by, you know, using her sleeve instead of her hands because germs. I didn't even think about that. Okay, Dateline. Wow. Okay. But that's what the evidence implies is that she was involved somehow, right? Um, Based on Julia's account, she was nearly 60 feet away from where Melvin was attacked, and Detective Muma confirms what we were already suspecting. Gunshot residue obviously is not going sailing through the air 60 feet and landing on your sleeves, right? A positive GSR on Julia's sleeves means that she fired a gun sometime very close to the murder, but this doesn't make sense, right? The couple is very clearly and outwardly in love. Evidence around their house indicates that they had a very active sex life. Oh, gosh. Assuming the GSR on her sleeves means Julia did kill Melvin, why? 
right? Life this insurance. The narrative that it's always the life insurance. But they weren't married. They weren't married though. Oh, true. Remember? True, 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 true. Other and honestly, missed opportunity because her name would have been Julia Roberts. Yes. Yeah. Right. That would have been perfect. You know what I mean? She would have been famous for a different reason. People would Google well, Julia Roberts, the yeah. actress, and come up with Julia Roberts, the murderer, not the actress. The murderer, yeah. The moiterer. The moiterer. This begins. <laughs> they do live in New York after all. The murderer. The murderer. Oh my God, it's the murderer. This begins a narrative that Julia was not, in fact, an innocent and battered victim of a robbery gone wrong, but instead a criminal mastermind with a sinister plot to murder her prominent lover. Police need answers at this point, so they begin pouring over evidence. The first thing Detective Mumaw recalls is that although Julia and her story indicate the crime was in fact an intended robbery, why then was Julia left with all of her cash and jewelry? And yeah. why was Melvin found carrying a money clip with close to $400 in cash? Right. What did they actually steal? Yeah. And this is kind of a thing with old Southern men. Have you noticed that? Like they always carry like huge amounts of cash with them. And I'm like, that feels yeah, like wads not- of it. Wads. Right. Right. And if you grow up in in and around a city, right? Like, you know that that's really dangerous, but in the South, I guess it's not as big of a risk. This would indicate that the perpetrator arrived at Robert's home that evening with the sole intention of murdering Melvin. Police claim at this point that although Julia's behavior is certainly suspicious, and we'll talk about that in a minute, all evidence points to the fact that somebody else actually carried out the murder. Somebody else was there, including fresh footprints in the mud leading away from the house that police believe belonged to a man. This being true, the police begin to assume that this was a murder-for-hire kind of situation. So they began looking through a list of suspects, people who were evicted by Melvin, who were forced to pay child support they didn't want to pay, who wound up in jail, who lost their children, their jobs, all their money, all because of Melvin's work, right? Right. And at first I was like, well, usually a defense attorney is like, I don't know. I'm like, that's the good guy, right? right? Like that is usually defending them. And then I was like, it occurred to me, well, there's two sides to every story and like someone's losing. Right. Someone loses something they don't oh, want to lose. Yeah. If they yeah, lose yeah. the case, you know, and maybe that sounds obvious and people are like this dumb no, bitch. I, I went know. over my head. Too. It, yeah. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Police end up with a little under 100 suspects in and around the York area. Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, for this t- town that small and to have 100 suspects, he mm-hmm. must have like really been mm-hmm. mean to a lot of people. And he was one of the town's wealthiest businessmen because of his his uh, law practice and also because of his work as a landlord. Right. Um, he owned a lot of land and, and property. So he, he I, I think that he had just in general a negative reputation. Even if he hadn't been an attorney, I think he had a negative reputation. Yeah. Um, which is weird because on the surface it doesn't seem that way, but I think a lot of people were scared of him. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So – The next step, then, police call in behavioral experts to analyze the interview footage of Julia. When they're going over this footage, they hear something that the interviewers, the police officers, had had since forgotten. And what they hear sends chills down their spine. Oh. After Julia's interview, police tell her that they need pictures of her. This is very standard for a victim of any attack. They need pictures. Julia laughs and responds with, you're not going to put these in Playboy, are you? Uh, okay. Um, right? Fucking response. Icky, right? Yeah. yeah. Like her boyfriend just was Died. murdered. Yeah. Of 10 years. Yeah. And it's really weird because she ha- her face is kind of contorted in the video like she's been crying. And then she just like snaps and like uh-uh. laughs and says that. And I'm like, mm, no, don't fuck with that. <laughs> fuck no, baby. That's going to keep no, reoccurring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hell no to the na na na. Put it in. <laughs> Detective Muma recalls some things out of place at the scene. Firstly, when he okay. is taking in the sight of Julia, clearly upset, bound with duct tape, makeup smeared, he recalls being unsettled, that's his word, unsettled okay. by how dry she was. Okay. Now, remember, it was raining that night. Right. Not pouring, apparently, but enough that law enforcement and first responders were all wet. Their hair, uniforms, shoes, vaginas, yeah. etc. <laughs> Julia was dry, right? Okay. So that's weird, especially if she's been dragged 60 feet through the mud, right? Weird. Yeah, supposedly. Second, the duct tape around her wrist, right. 
The duct tape around her wrists and ankles was put on very loosely, as if somebody was taking great care not to harm her in the process. Okay. Strange. Also, Detective Mumaz says that having seen people bound with duct tape in the past, ew, that's weird to say, the attacker simply did not use enough of it. It, That's even Um, weirder to say. (laughs) Yeah, this detective is a little strange. Not enough duct tape here. Right. (laughs) He's like, I've seen many people in my day who have been duct tape bound with duct tape. I was like, gross. And I'll tell you what, this just isn't enough. This just ain't enough. This ain't (laughs) got the job done. That's terrible. He was describing, he was describing poor Melvin who had been beaten and he goes, he goes, yeah, he got, he got several good uh, licks in on him. And like, he really, really, (laughs) I was like, what? Licks? Gross. Okay. Um, so to the point where Julia, if Julia wanted to, the detective believes she could have forced her hands apart because it was applied. Yeah, or like, I mean, there and wasn't I think enough. too, like when duct tape gets wet in the rain, like I would try and be mm-hmm. dragging it through the mud or, or letting it out yes. in the rain because it gets soggy and then you're able to kind of slide. Yeah. Um, or like it. chewing at it with your teeth or something. Like right, it, it something. seemed like it was intact. On top of that, according to Julia's interview, she heard, quote, a pipe hit the ground from nearly 60 feet away. In the autopsy, it's determined that Melvin was beaten with an unidentified metal object, but this could have been something other than a pipe. Like right. it could have been, I don't know, like a hammer, hammer or something, yeah, no, something yeah. else metal. I'm now thinking of zero metal things. No, I mean, I immediately <laughs> thought of a hammer, other- anything metal, a rod. Right. Same thing as a pipe. But she, <laughs> <laughs> but she says a pipe and it's it's just a little specific. It strikes right. Investigators as in for weird. like yeah sixty feet away. She could have just said I heard a metal clink. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. And another thing that was strange. Remember how she was dragged sixty feet, forced face down in the mud, and asked to lay on her stomach, or the attacker would kill her. Right. Well, it struck investigators as awfully strange that Julia had a minimal amount of mud on her. In fact, oh, no. she had mud on her pant cuffs and on the seat of her pants, and that's it. Interesting. It was almost as if, Detective Muma says, she had simply sat in the mud herself. Right. Which freaks me out. Yep. Spooky. These puzzle pieces start to come together, and they're forming a picture of Julia, the liar, the conspirator, the deranged lover, who was not only responsible for her boyfriend's death, but the driving force behind it. Yeah. Upon closer examination of her finances, which we know money's Uh-oh. always a motive. Um, money, money, money. Money, money, money. Investigators say <laughs> it becomes clear that Julia's business was barely staying afloat. Oof. What started out as an upscale clothing and cosmetic store turned into more of a consignment shop. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine many people in York, South Carolina are wanting to buy really expensive upscale cosmetics and clothes. No, that's what I'm thinking too. You've got like a lot of old money down there. But other than that, I mean, you know, it's just she she wasn't the only boutique in town. Like also like the old money people are buying like Versace and Gucci (laughs) and all of those brands. Why would they want Versace? It was Versace. Why would they want (laughs) something from Julia's? You know? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I don't know. I could see why the business would be going down. Yeah. It also, during the investigation, Julia's rampant addiction to pills became clear from a plethora of pill bottles found on her person in the home she shared with Roberts and the one she owned in Gaffney. According to NBC, quote, Phillips, that's Julia, would buy heroin-type narcotic pills at $80 a pop in the years leading up to the arrest from the lowest of street dealers in Gaffney. The money Roberts gave her for the store, the inventory, bills, even money from the till went toward drugs. No. End quote. Yeah. Even later during the trial, her lawyer says drugs were, quote, a problem. NBC goes on to report that, quote, Roberts knew about some of the drugs and the lies and threatened to cut off all the money to Phillips after 10 years as a couple. Phillips' response was to steal $2,000 in rent money owed to Roberts by Gaffney tenants, then blow it on narcotics. Great. End quote. Great. Yeah. So, like, see where this is going? A good situation. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Julia is eventually arrested in suspicion of Melvin's murder, and at that time she had a dollar and sixty-two cents in the bank. Wow. Which I've been there, sister. Yeah. I have been there. I haven't been here though, which she was tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Right, and like that part a sus- suspected or a suspect for a murder. Case, oh yeah, but. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah neither that <laughs> different that circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so Melvin's son recalls his anger and shock that Julia was responsible, saying, quote, this woman was invited into our homes, was part of our family. We treated her with respect. And what does she do? She steals from our father and then kills him over money. Yeah. Could you imagine? I mean, of 10 yeah. years, it's basically like yeah. not a stepmother by any means, but like uh, that, that figure that's there for your father. You know yeah. I, mean? I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like that's the most like psychopathic kind of thing psychotic yeah. psychopathic is that a word i don't know a little bit the of most both. psychotic thing about julia is the fact that she like got close to this family before she like did anything Attacked to them. them you know what i mean yeah. like yeah like she like really took her time and anytime a killer takes their time or like tries to like there's a trick involved where they're trying to fool people into thinking that there's yeah, someone they're not that terrifies me yeah yeah Melvin's family reports that from the time of his death to the time of Julia's sentencing hearing, their lives became about hearing one thing and one thing only from the judge. She's guilty. Right. According to NBC, quote, prosecutors alleged Phillips concocted a scheme to kill Robert, 79, in an attempt to secure her financial future as their relationship was deteriorating. Okay. End quote. Years later, in March 2013, Julia Phillips, once believed to be the victim of a vicious attack that killed her boyfriend, Melvin Roberts, was sentenced to life in prison as an accessory to his murder. Yeah. Melvin's sons steadfastly believed that there was someone else there that night besides Julia. She could not kill him on on her own. Right. Um, Someone else who Julia hired to carry out her sinister plot. At one point, the, uh, his sons offered a $10,000 reward for any information that led to the capture of this individual. Oh, good. Unfortunately, the truth about Melvin's death will not come from Julia Phillips. In July of 2016, <gasps> Julia died in prison, age, question mark, of natural causes. Wow. That sucks. And that's my case. That's it? Yeah. Oh, Side my note, gosh. Uh, no, that's not it because I forgot to mention this part. Oh. Julia, you know how she was recently widowed when she met Melvin? (gasps) Her former husband died of a heart attack. No. And after Melvin Roberts, yeah, after Melvin Roberts, after his death, her former daughter-in-law came forward accusing Julia of um, poisoning her father. Yeah. (gasps) I believe it. And so they actually – yeah, they actually – this was, like, all in the middle of Melvin's tri- – like, the trial for Melvin's death and everything like that. So, um, the like, the defense claimed that it was just a distraction and whatever, but the prosecution actually right. moved for an exhumation of um, her former husband's body. Wow. And the results of the uh, second autopsy were, quote, inconclusive. I don't oh. – I, I don't know if they found something and were just, like, paid to right. keep it quiet or if they right. really didn't find anything. It's awfully suspicious. And as you know, following true crime and as I know that, like, poisonings are really hard to solve, especially yes. when that much time has passed. Yep. It's, yeah, um, you can't just exonerate so, a body and then – Very and then, sketchy. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it reminds me similarly of, like, the staircase killer. It's like, okay, you know, two of your previous – partners have passed like you yes it's it kids yes, more Michael than just bad luck mm-hmm. you know yeah wow grace good case thank you i appreciate it i thought i thought it was bananas yeah yeah but i'm very excited to hear about your case okay so i've kind of deemed my segment as uh marissa's mystery so grace has her case and i have marissa's mystery love it i love that okay awesome okay the um story i have this week is about uh catalina island have you heard of catalina island before oh my god no (laughs) (laughs) rats you got me like last week okay okay starting off with some trivia because i love trivia please every tuesday please tell me obsessed do you know what year the famous roswell incident happened roswell incident no idea can i should i guess am Mm -hmm. i supposed to guess yeah okay uh you know what the roswell incident no, is no right? i don't grace it's like the first ufo crash <laughs> on earth and they found like supposedly they found remnants of a ufo in the little green body in in roswell oh, new mexico fuck. okay in that Remember in that? that case everything happens in the 70s so i'm gonna say 1972 wrong mm. 1947 girl 1947 fuck ew yeah okay well i'm not covering the roswell incident <laughs> Eventually, I'll do that. But this, you know, around that same year, UFO reports began on and around Catalina Island. Okay. So Catalina Island is one of California's channel islands laying just outside of L.A. 
It's known for its wildlife, dive sites, and more recently, or not so, the Tic Tac UFO. Have you heard of the Tic Tac UFO, Grace? No. But that is that's okay. what my grandma calls TikTok as she says Tic Tac. <laughs> <laughs> close. Very close. Um, okay. Let me start off with why I chose the story of Catalina Island as my story this week. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I keep asking you if you've heard of all these things, <laughs> but last one. Have you heard of the new hit show, Unidentified with Demi Lovato and Peacock? I sure have. They have really been thriving in their career, and I'm very excited about the show, and I've watched the trailer. So, okay, you have to watch the full show, but it's amazing. We just watched it this past week, and one of the episodes was about Catalina Island. So I was like, oh my gosh, I've never heard this before. I have to cover it. I know the one one episode where they interview the – um, the woman who claims to have been impregnated by an- aliens and like has yeah. so many babies by aliens and whatever. Yeah, that. Yes, it's it's really interesting to hear. I'm not going to say it's crazy because I don't want to call any of these people crazy because I think, you know, yeah. they truly believe it and I somewhat do too. So, <laughs> okay, it's amazing. Demi Lovato has basically always believed so strongly in other life forces out there and they make sure to call them ETs or extraterrestrials because aliens is a derogatory term to all life no matter what on this planet or off. That's what they believe. Interesting. Um, so they basically got called crazy by late night show host Seth Meyers back in like 2015 when they were on their show Ugh. talking about mermaids and how they believe in mermaids and other yeah. life forces. And we'd be like, I mean, truly, we'd be a selfish kind, a selfish species to believe that we're the only ones here. Uh, anyways, it's a four-episode miniseries with Demi, their best friend, Matt, who's a huge skeptic, and their sister, Dallas, who's less of a skeptic, I think because Dallas and Demi's mom, like, talks to the paranormal, mm. which is super cool. It is cool. Um, but Dallas is still ste- skeptical about ETs, so it's kind of neat. They go on all of these, like, tours of places that are UFO hotspots um, and do their own investigation in those places. So it's really neat. I highly recommend it to anyone out there. Uh, But I wanted to start um, talking this episode about Catalina Island. Catalina Island, as forementioned, is like a UFO hotspot. And the biggest case out there uh, was the Tic Tac UFO. Mm. So that happened on November 14th, 2004. And that day began as any other day for the USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group and the USS Princeton. I don't know where they come up with these names, but I hope I said that right. Okay, probably. I'm not going to correct myself, you know? Okay, okay, yeah. (laughs) So these uh, naval people or Air Force people Mm -hmm. uh, were doing a series of drills prior to deployment on the Persian Gulf. And about at 2 p.m., two fighter jets from the Nimitz received an unusual order from an operations officer on board the Princeton. Uh, The pilots were told to stop their training drills and proceed to new coordinates for a quote-unquote real-world task. Ew. They were asked if they were carrying live weapons, which they were not, but they were totally weirded out by being asked that question. Creepy, right? Yeah. Uh, The Princeton's radar has been picking up mysterious objects for a few days by then, but the Navy called them these anomalous aerial vehicles, AAVs, which I'm like, just call them UFOs. They're unidentified flying objects. That's what they are. But they say that the UFO term has been like tainted with like little green aliens Mm. and like Truly, it just means an unidentified flying object. That's yeah. what I believe, whether they're ET or not. Um, yeah. But they call them AAVs. So, so I want to I want to say something about what you said about it seems selfish to assume that we're the only life. Yes, you know? that's what Demi said. And I, yeah. it reminds me of a movie, Contact. Have you ever seen that movie, Marissa? No. <gasps> oh, my God. It has Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. And I think it came out in the 90s, late 90s. Oh, it's, I love a 90s alien yeah, movie. Yeah, it's, it's about a woman who is like a NASA tech. Like she she studies basically audio recordings and stuff like that from space. She like sits there listening oh. to sounds. And she's been trying to prove since she was little that aliens exist and that there's like someone else out yes. there. And it's whole it, the whole mission that she like starts is founded on what her dad used to say when she was little, which was, if we are the only ones here, it seems like an awful waste of space. 
Right. Which is so true. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what that reminds me Love of. That. So I just wanted to say that. Okay, go ahead. They basically said they picked up over a hundred of these UFOs on their radar and that these things are flying anywhere between twenty and eighty thousand feet above ground, which is so much higher than a typical commercial or military jet flies. And then eventually they found one that they intercepted and it started dropping with amazing speed to lower air ground when the Navy got really concerned. Oh, like the fact that it was flying so much higher than like a a normal aircraft. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then basically it would just drop at the speed of light is what they said. Um, No, I don't like that. Yeah. Me either. So when two fighter pilots finally intercepted one of these UFOs, at first they didn't see anything, but they noticed the water beneath them was churning with like white waves breaking Mm, over and over what looked to be like a large object underneath the surface. (gasps) So that's another thing. This UFO that we're talking about, the Tic Tac, it's also known as a USO. So that's an unidentified submerged object. Which no, is apparently no, no. a big thing in Catalina Island. Yeah, so they're not only above but below. Oh, gross! Isn't that crazy? Have you seen um, another movie, Tomorrow War, the more recent one? No, Marissa, what no, are you of doing? Not. I'm really bad at movies. <laughs> I'm really okay, bad at movies. You and Eric have homework this weekend. You need to watch Contact and you need to watch Tomorrow War because both involve aliens that come from above Two slash movies below. In one weekend. Yes, I'm on. I'm on the Christmas movie grind I already. I don't give a fuck. You gotta watch it. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'll try, I'll try. Okay, unidentified submerged object, I think is what you said. Yes. And then they noticed uh, just about right after they noticed the breaking of the waves, they noticed something that was just above the water, like 50 feet above, 40 feet long, shaped like a tic-tac, no wings or anything else to make it fly, like no propulsion aspects they say uh. which i guess that's like a wing or like a engine or yeah, something like or that like a so propeller. that's when we got a tic tac is in yes, the mint exactly as in the mint yes yes grace i put a uh an image on the drive okay. if you want to take a look um and that's like the best drawing they could get of it hmm. and then to the left of it it says tic tac ufo on infrared that's the image they got on like their 2004 military jet pilot It had swift yet erratic movements, and the pilots say they've never seen anything like this in their life. And then it sped off with no sight to be seen again. So that was from like one article I found on it. There's a few different articles I found on the Tic Tac UFO, but whenever I search Catalina Island Mystery or Catalina Island USO, UFO, and a few other things we'll be talking about today, nothing really came up. Like not much came up about Catalina Island. So mm-hmm. a lot of my information actually came from Demi's docuseries. Okay. Um, so in the docuseries, we meet a guy named Dev- Kevin Day. Mm-hmm. Devin K. <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Day. Uh, he served from 1986-2008 and claims he was one of the most senior operations specialists. He says that Operation specialists, people out there, like fighter pilots and all of those people are trained to be skeptics. They don't want to believe anything unless they have the facts. So he was on watch, I think. So he was like on the ship, not necessarily in the plane engaging with this uh, Tic Tac, Mm -hmm. but he was watching from the ship. And basically they got back to land and had a a debrief and his subordinate said they were the one that had said, it looks like a Tic Tac, about the same length as my aircraft. And Apparently, the tic-tac went from the 28,000 feet that he had clocked it at down to the surface of the ocean in less than a second, oh. which would be recorded as 45 times the speed of sound, <gasps> which is just insane. Uh, so the video was taken uh, by the flight crew in 2004. That's when this happened, but it was just leaked in 2017, and that's that picture that's on the drive. Um And then a very similar encounter was filmed in 2019 and leaked just this last January. So similar tic-tac-type shape UFO caught in infrared and then submerged directly into the water. So instead of flying off, it submerged directly into the water, which was like crazy. Uh, Kevin Day states that the tic-tacs make about 600 G-force turns and the human body can only withstand eight G-forces until we combust. Oh, he then kind of insinuates, like, yeah, no, something human was not inside this, unless they're, like, time travelers oh. that have learned how to move at the speed of light, which is just crazy. Oh, my God. I see it. Gross. Yeah. <gasps> oh, you found it. Okay, cool. I mean, it looks like a little white pill, but it's huge. What? 
Isn't that crazy? Okay. Oh, this is a rendering. So this is like, is this like a, fo- yes. a photo that they made? Yeah. It was basically based off of their- I was going to say, I'm like, it know, looks really witnessed. fake, but then I understand. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I witness. I witness. <laughs> okay. Um. I gotcha. Kevin says for so long that he was looked at as a crazy person for thinking that ETs are real. But when the report came out in 2021, just this past January, of all those leaked documents of government officials stating that there are indeed UFOs out there, he felt relieved and he felt like he was believed and that they're taking this seriously because it needs to be taken seriously. Devin K. Kevin Day. (sighs) Devin, so nice. Okay, so this was just one of the many instances of USO UFO sightings on Catalina Island. And uh, the next odd thing about this island that I want to touch on is the possibility of an underground ET base just off the coast, which is crazy. So Brittany Barbary, I don't know how to say her last name, sorry, is a certified UFOologist. Mm. So that means she has studied UFO and USOs for many, many years. She met with Demi and their team to discuss this strange phenomenon. Mm. Basically captured on Google Earth in 2014, there's a picture of this on the drive if you want to take a look at it. It's titled UFO Base. I see it. Yes. It's a... a structure that's just off the coast. It's 2,000 feet beneath the surface of the water and is approximately two miles wide. And the craziest part to me is no one, despite this being caught on Google Earth, no one has explored it yet. Like no one has tried to get to it by boat or scuba dive or anything like that. So why not? Are people just that's crazy. scared or? I don't know. I don't know if 2,000 feet is um, a long oh. way beneath surface. I feel is yeah. you know we're not good at the numbers so i couldn't tell you there i'm, <laughs> I'm like sure. that sounds like 20 basketball well, that's, fields oh my god courts. basketball <laughs> fields we're also not good at sports i think it's um oh. I, I mean it's less than half a mile because a mile is 5280 yeah. i do know that so it's less okay, than half a mile sure. so i i don't know what at what that seems not great then i feel like we should be exploring it <laughs> Yeah, because I don't know at what distance or depth, I guess, that it's the pressure is too much for a human to withstand because I know that that's typically the obstacle that they're worried about because I remember that being an issue right. when like um, in Titanic when they were like surfacing and like they had discovered the wreck of Titanic. Okay. And there was sure. like- haven't seen it, but sure. Oh my God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> and they had to send, um, they had to send like a little submarine down there to collect photos and video mm. because they couldn't, humans can't go down that deep. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Um, I know, but I just would assume that like the government or the Navy or someone had, had been down right. there and maybe they have and they're not telling us, but- mm. Basically, Brittany believes this is an ET base, uh, and there's this sound that officials have titled the upsweep that was captured in the ocean near there, um, but it cannot be replicated by any government official or scientist. And it was picked up about 3,000 miles from this actual location, um, but it's so loud and it's clear, in my opinion. So just imagine if it was actually closer to where it was located. They just assume that it was about 3,000 miles away. So I'm going to play it for you really quick. I'm going to see if this works. Um, And there's some like little bit of background music behind it because this was taken from Demi Lovato's docuseries. So thanks, Demi. I have, Did you hear I it? I have chills everywhere. Okay, so it's not a whale. Uh, some people were like, oh, that's a whale. Uh, and then they thought maybe Russian submarine, but it definitely wasn't. So if you listen, uh, it sounds like an alarm almost. The whoop, whoop, yeah. whoop, whoop, whoop. Did you hear that? Yeah. Ugh. Okay. I don't care for it. I don't care for it. Yeah. Brittany believes that they captured a door opening to the base shown earlier for a vessel or a USO to leave the base, which when you think about it, like you think about these big buildings and these doors unlocking and, you know, unveiling something, you know, it's possible like a big alarm like that could go off, like stand clear, you know, like when Amazon trucks back up, there's an alarm, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. I'm like, (gasps) Whenever they open doors in anything that's airlocked, which that would have to be if it's letting in water, right? Yeah. Unless these things don't breathe oxygen, then fuck that. I don't know. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> I don't like it. Uh. Ugh. 
So Brittany does believe that these are ETs. They are in that base down there, but she does not think that they're here to harm us. She thinks if they were here to harm us, they would have done it by now. Mm. And she believes that the government doesn't necessarily know the full truth either as to why they're here. It's not that like our world isn't ready to understand this information because we are. We clearly are. There's so many different podcasts right. and TV shows and what whatnot out there. It's just that the government doesn't have all the answers, so they don't want to yeah. reveal anything just yet. Yeah. Hence the reason why they, they've revealed those documents, but you know they've said they are UFOs. They're unidentified. We don't have identification for these but them having the having all the answers and not revealing it to us because it's sensitive information that seems way more likely to me yeah yeah yeah, totally i think there's something more out there um later Brittany, demi dallas and matthew do an awesome night watch over the ocean of catalina island where they shoot these like high grade lasers out into the ocean and sky Mm. in different patterns to try and capture of ETs. So it's been known before that like laser and light shows kind of things uh, start up that kind of extraterrestrial activity wow. and UFO activity. Coachella must make them crazy. And- <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, they probably do show up around there. I think they do like in the California and Joshua Tree kind of area. I feel like that's a hot spot as well. They're like, oh uh, shit, but- do you hear Migos? You hear them? <laughs> <laughs> it's Billie Eilish. <laughs> <laughs> oh gotta God. make the billy set oh my gosh <laughs> um demi basically asked everyone to meditate on set um and as they're meditating they actually catch quite a few anomalies anomalies, Anom- <laughs> anomalies. <laughs> i'm gonna just call them ufos as i stated That's before fair. they catch quite a few ufos mm-hmm. on their screen um like on the infrared screen and showing erratic UFO movement. Uh, so they ruled out any sort of plane or jet because they were moving side to side and up and down and kind of dancing with the lights themselves. Gross. I don't like it. So it was really neat to see, honestly, because Demi believes that if they meditate, they have a stronger chance to connect with ETs or hmm. experience a UFO because they believe that these species are of that higher mentality. So to get to that same wavelength of that higher mentality, they have to meditate and create that higher mentality themselves does that make sense i had never thought of it like that but i think that's such an interesting perspective no i i think i think it's the same reason why we can't think clearly when we're our minds are chaotic and manic and focused on uh you know whatever things in our past that we hadn't fully considered and the anxiety comes back to bite us in the ass that kind of thing which is not at all personal just happens to everyone right um (laughs) right 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 but that, that kind of thing like your your brain doesn't work properly when you're anxious and and meditation is a great yeah. way to quiet your brain so i don't do it as often as i should because i always like i don't think we've ever yeah, we we've were... ever like been to a yoga class together but like yoga makes me no. giggle like i can't even yeah. every time i've gone to one i've left because i've started laughing in the middle i cannot do it i don't know why yeah i took yoga as like one of my pe classes yeah. and it was so hard for me just to sit still in the yeah. midst of like sophomore year i think yeah. because that was the year i was like most stressed about my grades yeah. um oh i remember that so it was really hard <laughs> for me and and now i i like to meditate yeah. um eric and i haven't done it in a while he's turning around and disgust he thinks i'm a fraud oh my god i will do it but um we just haven't done it in a long time yeah you know oh my god i know so eventually so later on in the show demi calls on all of their followers to meditate at a specific time like 9 p.m or Mm -hmm. something um where they, they can then call on ETs to let them experience them. And literally they saw like seven UFOs, like very clear as day Weird. UFOs. Uh, this was in a later episode, separate, not not Catalina Island, somewhere else in California. Um, but it was amazing. It was so cool to see. And this show truly changed my perspective yeah. on a lot of uh, the ET and UFO kind of um, – possibilities out there you know it doesn't seem so far away now so i definitely recommend this show to everyone yeah it's on peacock um and oh there was one part on the show that Brittany mentioned this thing called the green door Mm -hmm. on catalina Mm -hmm. island that's the ufoologist that we were talking about earlier and so apparently there's this green door that appears at different places on the island which is just crazy like a door to a room or a house like a door yeah, like a door. Ugh. And they believe it's a portal to like another world or space or another dimension. So, but 
I tried Googling it, Grace, and nothing came up. Like Weird. one article from uh, the Catalina Islander comes up, which is like the local newspaper. And <laughs> um, there's this one guy, Jim Watson, that writes about all of these experiences and stuff, but nothing else has been covered on this place. So I'm like intrigued to see what might get covered in the future or maybe it's not getting covered on purpose like maybe people aren't reporting these things on purpose and Demi was the first one to kind of socialize all of this yeah. which is just crazy to think about well I think I think everyone's threshold for this stuff is a lot higher lower I don't know what I'm trying to say yeah. but like they're more open to a lot of open. that stuff yeah because I think that just like true crime has entered the mainstream because there was true. always there were always people that were interested in true crime uh us being one of them, right? Um, yeah. But people were like, that's weird. That's creepy. Like, you're a super dark sister if you're interested in that stuff. Um, right. And now it's, you know, it's a it's a much bigger trend, I guess. It's a trend, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, good for Demi because they're really brave for <laughs> bringing that up. Yeah. And this is something they're really passionate about. So I so applaud Demi and their team for bringing yes. this forward. And they're like 100% like – 100% unapologetically yeah. believing this stuff. Yeah. Like even when Matt might be like, I don't know, mm. Demi's just sitting there with a smile on their face. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you just wait. Yeah. You know? And, and so that's it's nice. I, it was really cool to see. That that part I love about it is, you know, how genuine um, it, the, yes. the whole, uh, you know, production show. of it, the whole show is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Seth Meyers and I watch him a lot. And, um, but I, I hesitate to, you know, defend him because that it seems really fucked up that he's just laughing, right? Yeah, you or should staring. watch it. It's pretty sad. They actually show it in the show. Yeah. Um, but funny thing enough is they actually FaceTime Seth Meyers mm. after uh, they've made contact and they're like, look – we're doing this like we're yeah. on a show right now and we're doing this and you know Seth Myers was like totally brought into this because his background was like pristine and he's of got like, the ring light on and and whatnot but Demi was like yeah so we've made contact and he's like yeah uh can you just put in a good word for me oh my and they're God. like mm-hmm yeah, um, so I, you should yeah I I, I will say that. the only thing I'll say in his defense is that it's really hard like aliens and it, to anyone who doesn't talk about it as much as we do or research it as much as you do, right? Like it's, it yeah. sounds crazy. It does. So taboo. Yeah. 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 And and people it really are does. really it's not, not the majority about it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, I think it's cool and always something new to learn. And, and it kind of just makes me feel a little bit better about like living the life I live on this earth. Mm. It's like, there's so much more out there. Yeah. You know, it's almost hopeful. That's so, true. I really like learning about it and reading all these different accounts and whatnot um so that was marissa's mystery wow did you like it i loved it that's so weird i also was terrified by it at the same time so i don't know i i i a big reason and i've i've mentioned this to you like that i don't research ufos and stuff like that is because it scares Mm -hmm. me so much and yeah the unknown and and I was just talking to my therapist yesterday about how I told her, I was like, yeah, I've always uh, really liked change. And she was like, well, what do the circumstances have to be in order for you to like change? And I said, well, yeah, I'm glad you asked. I have to be in complete control of it and know exactly when it's going right. to happen. Yeah, not, <laughs> not exactly the change right. that tends to go on in the and world. And she's like, well, that is the definition of not liking change. Yeah, and literally. So I think that's what freaks me out is the unknown, right? You know, I'm a planner yeah. and I'm, I, I don't, it's stress. My whole body and my posture, I'm just like huddled right now because that stuff freaks me out. I think yeah. that it's so it's it's for sure a defense mechanism that I'm not researching it as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's okay. You can hear stories from me. Yeah, but I no, I trust you for all of the, um, you know, well, UFO it's content. similar to me and not always researching true crime like I'll watch some stuff in my free time if it's like a really popularized case but I don't necessarily watch Dateline or anything like that that's that makes it like I don't know for some reason the more popularized cases makes me think oh this is one in a million like this could never happen to me but then when you get to the Dateline episodes or um different you know 
true crime episodes that happen every week, every mm. 30 minutes or whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so many out there. And it then I start so to get preparanoid. Yeah. I say preparanoid. I think Crime Junkie came I up with that love one. That. Yeah. I'm not sure, but it's prepared and paranoid. So I just, you know, double locks on all the doors. If I could get yeah. that nuclear grade lock, like we talked about last week, I would yeah. do it. Uh-huh. Um, but it. <laughs> Right. I, uh, it's I just tend not to look at that stuff unless you tell it to me. I no, I I totally get it. And and my mom was was saying recently, like asking me, she was like, if you had to define why you love it so much, like what what is it that you like yeah. so much about it? And I was explaining, like, I think because right now it it serves as kind of an escape for me, an escape from reality, which yeah. is is sad. And if I think too much about it, I it really is. get the dark and twisties and I, I it's too dark, right? I really yeah. have like a level of like kind of work life balance <laughs> with it where I, I get it. Yeah, no, you I have, have to. to turn it off every once in a while and do we were talking about doing a like Bob's a, burgers. Yes. <laughs> we were talking about um doing a detox kind of thing at the yeah. – like at once a month on this show. And I'd love right. to hear what you guys think about that, if that's something you'd be interested in because I, I think that it's important every once in a while to turn it off, right, and yeah, and remove yourself from it because it yeah, really can, can get Yeah, this stuff can get dark and scary yeah. easily. Yeah. yeah. Despite we try and bring some comedy into it yeah. while being as respectful as possible, it can right. get um, darker for sure. Right. And it's it's hard. It's You know, you have to have outlets where, you know, you are able to escape from dark things in your life. And unfortunately, my outlet mm-hmm. is a dark thing. So like – Same. You know, when I'm, <laughs> it, and it pops up so often where I'm like – you know, at the grocery store and I'm like, okay, I need peanut butter. And also the Manson family murdered 40 people. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even, you know, so it's, it just, it eats at you. And so I, it's part of why we did this podcast is so we can talk about it, right. And get it out. Yeah. And kind of have that outlet to talk about it and then truly like shut it off once we end this recording, you know. Exactly. So, so yeah, I, I'm so grateful to everyone who um, is listening and um same I love I love doing this and it's it's enjoyable to be able to talk about this stuff and and yeah talk we're and- gonna have a lot to edit out this week yeah, thanks we to are. me oh my goodness it's okay yeah um but we have a longer time um we're we're hoping to release every Friday so yeah. um or I think that's what we agreed on yeah, right no Grace? we did yeah, okay. Friday. Okay, cool. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, fun day Friday, Friday fun day. Um, That's what I think. And <laughs> it'll give us a little bit more time this week to edit. So. Yeah, yeah no, good. totally. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks, school friends. Join us next week when we take another walk yes. down the street where murder meets mystery. I'm Grace. And I'm Marissa. Thanks, guys. Bye.